0: Volume 2, Chapter 21, of Evelyn, or A Heart Unmasked, a novel by Anna Koromowit. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kelly Taylor. Chapter 21. Tis long, my lord, since we have met alone, and with what different feelings do we meet TO THOSE WE KNEW IN HAPPIER HOURS LONG PAST JAMES FROM THE SAME TO THE SAME APRIL 6th TO BECOME CONSCIOUS OF A FAULT, TO ACKNOWLEDGE, OR TO EXPIATE IT THEY SHOULD ALL BE ONE, SHOULD THEY NOT OR FOLLOWING ONE ANOTHER IN SUCH UNITED SUCCESSION THAT TO THE MIND THEY SEEM BUT ONE CONTINUOUS ACT why, then, should womanly shame cry out against the avowal which generosity and affection are mentally framing into words? A certain philosopher would explain this paradox by repeating that women are made up of contradictions. Deny it as we may. He was a wise man who came to this conclusion. "'How is Blanche?' kindly inquired Mr. Elton, as I joined him in the parlour last evening. "'No better. "'She alternately sinks into a state of stupor "'and is roused into one of frenzy. "'Mr. Eldon heard my reply, "'acknowledged it with a sigh and a look of condolence, "'and then took up a newspaper "'that was lying upon the table. "'As for me, I am sure I do not exactly know what I did, "'but I believe that after fidgeting about the room "'for a minute or two, I sat down to my work.' The thread knotted and twirled at every stitch, the needle grew rusty, and the strawberry emery cushion which I held between my finger and thumb had lost its cleansing power. Mr. Elton. He looked up from his paper, and I punctured the strawberry with amazing rapidity, thinking to myself all the time, why are men so stupid? Mr. Elton. I wondered what could have made my throat so husky. He still looked inquiringly at me, and I finished my sentence by saying, Will you ring for a glass of water? Netta answered the summons. The water was brought and drunk. I had laid by my work, and Mr. Elton had dropped his fascinating newspaper, that dangerous rival of women. When I saw it fall, I felt as though some powerful adversary had been thrust out of the way. Mr. Elton, I commenced a third time. Will you pardon me, but... My inexplicable confusion surprised Mr. Elton. It was probably the unwanted courtesy of my manner which induced him to reply. It is I only who should sue for pardon. For what can you desire forgiveness? For... "'It is difficult to confess one's own blindness and injustice "'for having harboured an injurious thought, "'for having mistaken you for Colonel Damereau, "'and for having regarded you as the cause of Blanche's misery. "'Oh, what an exquisite sensation of relief "'filled my mind when I had forced out these words. "'Can it be possible?' Your coldness, then, your strange reserve, and which I thought sprang from indifference. May I attribute them to another origin, and... But why repeat his words, when neither tone nor look can be described? Nor will you my answer. You are not so dull as to be unable to divine it. Heaven has permitted the dream of youth to be realized when youth has fled. And I may say with the poet that happiness a while foregone is riches well laid out, a usury double then coming back. It is not the blooming girl and the enthusiastic youth who hand in hand are commencing life's journey together. But those hands will not be less fondly knit nor will their feet less firmly tread the short remainder of the route, because sorrow has chastened and experience strengthened their hearts i am anticipating it is not all promised fruit that ripens not until evelyn is restored not until blanche no longer needs my care and ellen is re-established in her school not until then May I dwell upon the fulfilment of my own happiness. Evelyn has conceived a strong desire to behold her husband again. To convince her of the impracticability of such an interview is an ungracious task. When I think how considerate, how kind has been every act of his life towards me, she this morning remarked, when I remember my own ingratitude, my disregard of his happiness, the unpardonable injuries I have done him, I feel as though it would be at least some relief to confess my own degradation, it would be some consolation to listen to his reproaches. We have concealed from her the terrible retribution with which Colonel Damoreau has been visited, but I thought it expedient to communicate "'that Mr. Merritt was instituting proceedings preparatory "'to suing for a divorce, "'and that Laura Hilson was reported to be his affianced bride.' "'Evelyn's cheek paled and crimsoned again as she replied, "'He does well. "'I would have besought him myself to obtain his freedom "'and never more to remember me or the misery I have commissioned him. "'But Laura Hilson if he had chosen any other bride, one worthy of him, I should have died content. Oh, Miss Catherine, when I had the right, I neither warmly loved nor truly appreciated Walter, and now that I should not dare think of him, now he has grown inexpressibly dear to me. A strange contradiction, this, and yet I believe that Evelyn is not singular in her feelings— and that she fully exemplifies the incomprehensible nature of the sex. I made some slight attempt to dissuade her from seeking an interview with her husband, but she silenced me by saying, I must, indeed, I must, I could not rest, I could not die in peace until I had seen him. A short time afterwards, she placed a letter in my hand, bidding me to read it, and then dispatch it to Mr. Merritt, under existing circumstances. Could it be considered a breach of confidence if I enclosed you a copy? From Evelyn to Mr. Merritt. "'By what name shall I call you, now that my own crimes have deprived you of the title which I was unable to appreciate? I have violated every tie.' but terrible has been the voice of retributive justice. I never deserved to be your wife, and what am I now? Walter, grant me one request. I ask it in the name of that parted angel who awaits you in the land of joy, who will bless you and may never be permitted to cast even a pitying glance upon me. Grant me one more interview. Let me carry the remembrance of your last words, even though they be reproaches, to the couch of death. God, in his mercy, will not greatly prolong my wretched existence. Let me behold you once again, and then may you ever forget one so hopeless and lost as Evelyn. End of chapter twenty-one